What time is it? I'm, I'm drunk. That's ugly. On this episode of Watches, Whiskey, and Design, we are talking about Casio G-Shock MRG collection watches. These are the watches that are actually like the Japanese sword-making techniques. And we're also sipping on some 16-year-old Glenn Deveren single malt scotch. We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. All that just happened. So I, I really wanted to drive the Lotus today. It's actually it's, it's almost like 35 degrees here, which is a little cold for me to drive the Lotus because of summer tires, but at least the roads are dry with one exception. Yeah. My driveway is still mostly ice. <laughs> now, it's a straight, flat driveway, but I know last year when I was driving the Lotus when it was still, you know, cold but warm enough mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when i hit patches of ice on the lotus it was like instant sideways and that was like a little patch this has got like a 20 foot stretch right out of the driveway that's all ice and i just thought i think i'm pulling that car out of a ditch <laughs> yeah your driveway is actually pretty long it is i i've decided to not even bother shoveling and plowing my driveway because we'll get warm days like today where mm -hmm. it starts to melt away yeah and then I'll do some shoveling, but then I've got a four-wheel drive. I can just, you know, drive well, around. The Expedition doesn't even need four-wheel drive. It's the so Lancer, heavy. The Lancer and, the, right and the Cayenne just scamper down my driveway. Yeah. But, of course, they're all-wheel no drive, point. and they have winter tires, and nobody cares. But knowing what's happened with the Lotus last year, I just thought, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm actually going to, like, tow-hook my car out of the snowbank if I end up trying this. So I did not drive. And I'm a little bummed because I really, really want to drive that car. But here we are midwinter, and I am banging around in the Lancer, and it is awesome. That thing is just, uh, now that I've gotten through all of my initial, I guess, growing pains, of, except for the fact that the exhaust, I think, might be actually rusting to pieces and getting louder. Except oh, for that. Really? Either, either that <laughs> oh, or I'm man. getting more sensitive. It's so unbelievably loud in that car. That's Other than change. that, it's awesome. It really is. I'm so glad. I shot a little piece on it this week, in fact. Oh, I good. do have a first long-term coming for good, that, so that's good, good as well. Yeah, That's excellent. I'm, I'm thrilled for that. Well, speaking of pieces, we have dropped the 2019 Corvette ZR1 on YouTube. It's playing very well, and a lot of people are liking that. So if you haven't caught that yet, it is a part of the larger Corvette film called American Original. And the teaser for the rest of the film, if you'd like to see the other 12 cars in the rest of the film... Go ahead and go find that on Amazon. We've got Blu-rays. We've got the streaming on mm -hmm. Amazon Prime Video. And that's just a little tease of what the what the ZR1 was like to drive. Kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, and honestly, that piece is that, that film is playing really, really well. Thank you, guys. There's been ratings on Amazon all over the place, stuff on Vimeo. Yeah. Yeah. It's on IMDb as well. Thank you, guys, for all of you that have given some really nice commentary, both publicly when you've rated it and also just us privately. I'm thrilled with how well that thing's playing. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it is awesome. Well, we are in episode two of our season four on the Motor Trend Network. So yes. we're back on and new content coming shortly that mm -hmm. is coming. We will be announcing a lot of fun. There's a lot of great, yeah. crazy stuff that Seven happened brand new last episodes, year. Yeah. In case you haven't listened, yeah, a few things so happened. Coming. Actually, uh, thinking of other random updates, I just thought of this. You guys may have helped us already. You may be thinking about helping us. Here is what I, what do I call this? Stolen gear update. That's what I'll call it. <laughs> okay. We All are right. we right. are actually headed toward getting a check from the insurance company. It's of course not for everything we Are we? Uh, yes, we I'm, are. We're, I'm we're, happy we're close. About that. We're close. Yes. So it's not for everything we asked for, but of course it's an insurance company, so it was never going to be everything we asked right. for. However, you guys rallied around us with a GoFundMe page been incredible thank you guys yes it's it's exceeded any expectation well first off we had no expectation then the gofundme page was created thank you derek and then it has done far beyond anything we wanted it is still live because we had kind of decided we would keep it live until we knew what was happening on the insurance side it is still live i'm telling you that just to say this you guys have filled in the gap for us which is amazing 
if it's something you wanted to be a part of, it's up for about another week. Okay, so like last week of January, we're going to close that down because by that point, we will have the insurance money in and right, we know right. where we really are. So I'm just letting you know because it's been up for a while. We haven't talked about it for a while. Thank you guys so much for your generosity. You can find it from the, the our website, everydaydriver.com. There's a link right there if you would like to be a part of it. Please don't feel any obligation, but the, the level of support you guys have shown there has been shocking and helpful. And yeah, honestly, Paul and I are both working on laptops right now that exist because of your generosity. That's a great point. Yeah, we replaced these laptops Instantly, because of that money. Because those funds of were the available. GoFundMe page, because yeah. of course we've had to wait a couple of months to get through the whole insurance hurdles thing. So that's around that's for point. about another week or so, if you're so inclined, and then we're going to close that down. We'll let you know that as well. But I mainly just bring it up just to say thank you to all of you again. Again, because just the sheer fact we have laptops to instantly turn around and keep working is due to you guys. Absolutely. Well, I actually posted a link to something that was pretty shocking to all of us, I'll say. Crazy. Also, you have to say how you found that because it makes it look like okay. you're just trolling around it, the location. Does. But, but please does. explain this. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> All right, so if you haven't seen these links yet, it is on the most recent social media posting as of this podcast, and it has a pin drop. And so the image is a pin drop and it's a Google location. So you can see the latitude and longitude coordinates there, but it's also a link which you can click that will open in Google Maps. And it's actually a satellite image of the day we shot the close and open for the Corvette film yes. in Utah, in Echo, yes. Utah. And the reason that I know about this is not because I'm still checking that location. It would have <laughs> never occurred to me to check yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But it was due to Corey Peterson, who was one of the producer, co-producers mm -hmm. for the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey has been around a long time. He's uh, had a lot of Corvettes, and he is the guy that General Motors calls when they want to know stuff about Corvettes. <laughs> He's he can, like the guru of Corvettes oh for all gosh. of Utah, for sure. He yeah. is a Corvette is savant. Guy. He can look at a VIN number, and he might have owned it. Incredible. And if he doesn't, he can tell you what options, where the car lives, and who currently owns it, just it's off insane. the VIN number. It's insane. It really and is. so he was looking around, and he sent this image to me, and I thought, well, that's a great Wait, no, that doesn't look familiar. Where did you get that shot? Mm -hmm. And he had checked those coordinates and just looked at them. The cars were parked there from about 9.30 to 1.30 p.m., mm -hmm. so not long, and caught me doing my intro that's on what its makes flyover. It, that's what makes it even more specific is because if you look closely, this is, again – this is our Corvette film from space, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just let's just put that in perspective. Well, so our Corvette film shot from space, and if you look closely enough, you can see a couple of things very cool. You can see Paul standing in front of the 1954. Obviously, you're seeing the top of his head, but you're seeing him from uh, from way way up. But from 19 standing in front of that 1954, doing his opening sequence. If you've seen the film, it's mm -hmm. his opening discussion <laughs> being shot. I, if you know where to look, I'm standing on the passenger side of your expedition, the hauler oh, right. running camera it's across and there's, the street mm -hmm. right and there's a line of people standing in the street that line of people like a semicircle of people in the street they are literally that's literally all of the owners that were there and they're standing there as a wind block because the wind was pretty <laughs> extreme so we yeah. had them stand just out of frame as a wind block for us when we were doing our stand-ups but you were standing there doing your stand-up for probably five to ten minutes yeah so yeah. It, as you guesstimated it's roughly 10 30 in the morning we could because of the, the situation going on we can almost pinpoint exactly when that shot was taken and from space it is the corvette film i'm astounded by this so i'm now joking with the guys i, I told the guys after Corey sent this to me i said well i think we're the, probably the first at least the first automotive journalists that we know that are using satellites to shoot cars i mean 
screw drones. Drones are like so last century. Drones were so Satellites. 2018. <laughs> it actually ties into a question from Instagram from R. Close who said, I'm thinking about getting into the spy game because you saw this posting. <laughs> what make and model of satellite did Chance use to get that overhead shot? I'm pretty sure that it was a digital globe, Worldview 4, formerly known as the GOI 2. <laughs> okay. Now, these have excellent revisit rate, capacity, and spectral diversity. And this Worldview 4 is equipped with a quarter meter pan chromatic and one meter multi-spectral ground sample distance and it sells for right around 835 million. Well, welcome think, to the space cast. I, exactly. I think that was the one he used. But you know, if we're using satellites to shoot our cars now, we don't have to spend the money to go buy new cameras. We can just use satellites That's with the really long lens. If, if we had control of satellites, we would have a totally different budgetary conversation going exactly. on about this show. But anyway, it is... repurpose Elon's SpaceX program to now shoot cars. Give me a break. You want it your is, car shot from space? He actually has one up there. Let's yeah. It, you know, it is, it is amazing that it happened at all. We're, we're laughing about that reality. <laughs> so if you'd like to see, I don't know how long those uh, that photo's there. I mean, it, they, I feel like they update them about every year or so. So it'll be there a while. Yeah, it'll be there a while, yeah. And I know they update you know major metropolitan areas before they update a place like Echo, Utah, which nothing's been going on there for years. <laughs> they just figured, we haven't done this for a couple of decades. Yeah. Click. Cannot believe that it happens to be us. So there's <laughs> yet another piece of the American original film and uh, pretty funny. Unbelievable. All right. Well, we've got a ton to talk about. We do want to get to the 2019 Detroit Auto Show coverage, and there's a lot of vehicles there. But before we do, many of you have asked us in the questions about California's new exhaust law, specifically (laughs) the exhaust noise rules. My Lancer would be buried in tickets by this point. I think you, you wouldn't like this. So I want to clear things up a little bit. Everybody's been reading bits and pieces, and I dug in because I wanted to know. Okay, good, good, good. And everybody says, oh, if they pull you over, you're going to get an instant $1,000 fine, Mm. on and on and on. That is not the case. Here is the case. Since 2003, the exhaust systems installed on cars, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. less than 6,000 pounds, may not exceed 95 decibels. Okay, which is very loud, by the way. It's very loud. This is, I think, 96 is at Laguna Seca Track, and we had the ZR1. 98. 98, or the Z06 yeah. out there? Yeah. Well, well they change it. They, they tell you. They tell you at the beginning there. of the day. They're like, "Here's our here's our limit," and and I think it, at Laguna it ranges between like 96 and 103, depending upon the day. And they tell you at the beginning of your track day, "This is the limit today." And along those lines, the limit, whatever it was, was heavy, was lower than the loudness of the Z06 from the factory. Right, right, which means those cars would instantly disqualify, but that's still pretty loud. 95 is still pretty loud. loud. It's very loud. So, again, this law has been in effect since 2003, and it's not illegal to install aftermarket exhaust systems. They are Mm. legal in California Mm -hmm. as long as those don't exceed the 95 decibel meter. Mm. So then if the noise laws didn't change, what did change It's previously known as a fix-it ticket, but now you do get a ticket. So you used to have 30 days to Mm -hmm. fix the violation, take it in. However, this is not legal advice. Disclaimer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we're not not the the space cast or the legal podcast, for that matter. You can get yourself or financials. Or financial. Really be frightened. Be very afraid. Yeah. So if you get the ticket, if you get the violation, you Mm -hmm. can seek the Certificate of Compliance from the California Bureau of Automotive Repair, demonstrating that, indeed, it is lower than 95 decibels. Interesting. Now, you can have your citation dismissed 
by the court if you do this, but this is not legal advice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. And All right. as far as the fine is concerned, according to the D- Judicial Council of California's Uniform Bail and Penalty Schedules for 2019. That sounds like riveting reading. Keep going. This is this is like bedtime reading before you fall Tell asleep. Me. Yeah. It actually helps we're about you. to lo- lose most of the audience when you share this news, <laughs> but keep going. The base fine is $25 with the fees adding up to a total of $193. That's at least according to the bail and penalty for the first violation. Where's the thousand come from that everybody's freaking out about? I th- I'm not sure actually. I okay. think that's been widely pumped up and rumors and everything flying around. Mm-hmm. That's what I know of. That's the the research that I've done to this point. Okay, that's okay. what we know. Now, as we know with anything, it's officer discretion for anything true just true, because true. you're going fast and mm-hmm. you get pulled over doesn't mean it's automatically a speeding ticket true it kind of depends on your interaction with the officer yeah 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 at any point so i would say things are still going to be kind of i wouldn't say optional but it's still going to be a discussion well and it's not going to be a guarantee that if you're if your uh, exhaust breaks this somebody's going to pull you over i mean this is the no. thing that was very true in california and i want you to go for even further right. but very true in california i remember when i lived there for example i'll give you two examples one there was uh, three examples there was a major seatbelt law in california where they could give you a very hefty ticket for no seatbelt uh-huh, there was yeah. a fairly hefty ticket they could give you if you were holding your phone to your face and there was a almost a guaranteed fix-it ticket, and sometimes in some little tiny cities in Los Angeles, they could give you a, just an instant fine for no front license plate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were plenty of people driving around with no front license plates, talking on their phone, holding it to their face, and not wearing a seatbelt. It's Los Angeles, folks. People are quite busy. Uh, the, the police have many things to do, okay? Oh, yeah. So yeah. even though, like, if you parked in certain certain cities in Los Angeles, they would ticket you for no front plate because they got the meter maids and they're getting tickets done. But most of the time, tickets like this, again, not legal advice, most of the time, tickets <laughs> like this, though, are add-ons. They pulled you over for something legitimate. And then, by the way, your mm-hmm. exhaust is too loud and you should be wearing your seatbelt. Why are you holding your phone? And then it starts adding on. Especially if you insult the officer, which don't do that. So, yeah, there's all those elements as well. You've actually touched on the very thing that I want to say is the overarching comment for all of this. Okay, okay. I know that, you know, some people want lower noise levels coming out of cars. Okay. I'd like a lower noise level coming out of my car. Anyway, moving on. I can understand that. But let's put that aside. And if these officers, if their time is going to be spent wisely... Let's have them pursue the people who are holding the handset to their ear or texting or doing mm, anything mm. but driving. That's a good point. I don't care about the noise levels. I care about good drivers, and I see so many people texting. Yeah, like I said yeah. last podcast, I can almost tell what kind of <laughs> app you're using based on what your car's doing. You've made me start looking for that since you mentioned. I'm actually looking to see Look if I can tell. Look so to funny. telegraph it's a so signal, funny. and they'll start to drift. Okay, so, oh, yeah, I can tell what you're doing now. It's very funny. And inevitably, they're staring at their phone. Sound aside, let's not care about sound anymore. Let's care about good driving yeah, habits. I hear you. I hear and you. if the officers are going to be, this is yet another thing on their list of things to check for, mm-hmm. how about we prioritize stop texting while driving? Yeah. And okay, I, I, I point you. that at me just as much as I do everybody else because mm-hmm. it is so tempting. The phone's right there in the cup holder. Yeah. I look yeah, yeah, down. Yeah. I hear the ding. I look mm-hmm. down. And I say, no, no, I'm not going to allow myself to do that. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. absolutely crucial. So that's my big rant. <laughs> Noise. Okay. I get that we yeah. want to, you know, yeah. 
reduce the sound levels. Yeah, Fine. Sure. How about we reduce injuries and deaths and bad driving due to texting and looking at your phones? Yeah, that's a good thing to chase after. I like that. I like that. Shall we talk to Troy Auto Show? I think we should. I think, I think half the questions we got today, thank you for posting questions <laughs> as always. We always post on social media asking for questions yeah. and you guys bombard us, which is great. But I think half of them this time are questions about cars at the New York Auto Show and Detroit. Th- uh, sorry, Detroit Auto Show. New York's three, coming in April, yeah, but Detroit. Three quarters of those. Yes. Three quarters of those are on the Supra. Let's jump right in. The 2020 Toyota Supra has been released finally. finally. What was it? 2010 when they started teasing it? Hasn't I, it been about it's a been decade? A while. Yeah. 335 horsepower inline six cylinder. Yeah. Eight speed Steptronic automatic transmission. I can find no information that this is a dual clutch. It is an automatic. Transition. It's a ZF, isn't it? I believe so. It's essentially Still the same confirmed. ZF that's in it's the essentially Z4. essentially a Steptronic yeah. automatic transmission. And good news, everybody, standard adaptive variable suspension on every Supra. So normal yeah. and sport modes. Not the case on the BMW. Available on the BMW, no. but not the case on the BMW with all of them. Look, there are some notable journalists from some notable car sites, mm-hmm. news sites, mm-hmm. that are kind of poo-pooing this car already. And I have been holding off because we, we've all seen, yeah, we've been yeah, waiting yeah. for the Supra. We've seen the general shape. We know what it looks like. I've been holding off, making judgment. We haven't even driven this car no, yet. No, of course not. Nobody has. Yeah, nobody has. And they're already just kind of bored and over it. And I'm actually surprised. And I say to them, you need to leave the car business. If you're not excited by this mm. and okay, you're fair, so fair. jaded <laughs> that leave it to the rest of us who yeah. Okay, so most of it's built by BMW. As a matter of fact, it's not. It's actually built by Magna Steyr. I've probably mispronounced that word, but the, it's built by Magna in Austria. Both the Z4 and okay. the Toyota Supra, right. they're built in Austria. Sure, okay, all right. All right, so they share a lot of components, but there's so much more differentiation between these two cars than, say, the BRZ and the FRS were. True, true. They've definitely tried to make two different cars versus two different bad cars. Very much so. I, I take your but point these, there. But these automotive journalists are already just kind of slagging on this car, yeah. saying, well, we've already seen it. It's going to be whatever. It's mostly BMW, and I'm bored. Yeah. I, I actually wonder if some of the problem there- That irritates me. I, I can totally see that. I actually wonder if some of the problem there is what I will refer to as the NSX effect. Okay. By the time okay. that car finally came out, everybody was kind of like, ah, yeah, there it is. It did all the stuff they said it was going to do. Yeah. This is the problem with uh, versus versus. I'll give you the exact opposite. The Ford GT. Yeah. Yeah. It drops out of the sky. Nobody even knows it exists and they can't sell them fast enough and none of us will shut up about it. True. Versus the NSX, which gets teased for six or eight years and finally comes out and we all go, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So I, there, there is that factor as well. I, what I there's a lot of stuff here I find interesting. One of the one of the things is it appears that the if I'm reading stats correctly, the most powerful version of the BMW is actually going to be slightly more powerful than the Supra. Yes, 382 horsepower out of the BMW. That's interesting that they're they're more powerful. But the 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 biggest thing that I am fascinated by and we'll drill down further in lots of categories, but um I think it's interesting that Toyota is really trying. There's a pattern here to have their cake and eat it too. They sure. want to be an enthusiast brand again because they have that history and they became the house of the Camry and Prius. <laughs> they want to be an enthusiast <laughs> yeah, brand again, yeah. but they don't really want to take it on the nose and actually just take the hit and do it on their own because if it doesn't work, they need to split the cost. I mean, this is this is classic Toyota thinking. Okay, you talk sure, in our you sure. talk in our uh, Cayman piece, which is coming up. You talk about in the nineties. 
Porsche was looking for efficiency, and they hired a bunch of, of Toyota executives to help them with efficiency. Right. This is a company that has, has done a great job of making cars that run, that are reliable, and a company that is financially solvent. So it's okay. an uphill battle okay. to have that conversation about, let's build some sports cars. <laughs> that's just that's the exact opposite direction. Yeah, true. So the, if you look at it, the 86 chassis is essentially a rear-wheel drive Subaru product. Yeah. And yeah. the Supra is a BMW with some Toyota influence. They are hedging their bets to their benefit for better and worse. Now, I'm thrilled this car exists. We've talked a lot about sports cars. I hope a lot of people buy them. I hope they can't make them fast enough because that will encourage more sports cars. I still am looking at it, though, and going, this should look better from every angle than the 86, and I don't think it does. Really? I'm shocked to hear you say this. I like it from the rear. I like it a lot from the profile. It looks pinched in the front. Interesting. It just looks pinched. All right. So in Japan, so the JDM market, this car will come with a turbo four-cylinder under the SZ moniker, 194 horsepower, and the SZR has 254 horsepower. Mm -hmm. So the JDM market is a little bit different. My question there is, is this car going to make the 86 kind of irrelevant with those horsepower numbers? Well, but hang on. It'll be a little bit more expensive, but why would you go buy a brand new 86 at this point? But I put it back on you this way, though. What the heck are they both doing in the lineup? And does it mean the 86 is going to be killed? Because, honestly, Possibly. the Super with that bottom engine is not going to feel as powerful, I bet you, as the 86 chassis will. Because it's about the same amount of horsepower and 500 pounds heavier. And it's heavier. True. Very true. The 86 is a small, light car with, to my shock, a longer wheelbase than the Supra. The Supra is longer bumper-to-bumper, but has a shorter wheelbase than the 86. This is the wrong combination for your bigger brother sports car. No, I don't think so. Not really? necessarily. Because okay. it's not trying to do the GT car thing, and I'm actually glad that it's not. It seems All like right. prior right. Supras were coasting towards GT car territory rather yeah. than yeah. smaller, nimbler, lighter weight, even okay. though the weight can be debated. Yeah. But I'm actually glad to see the shorter wheelbase. It's being accused of being stubby. I'm all for it. Okay. I like that Toyota's reining back and pulling in. Okay. Talking about the design, the overall car itself, yeah, it, this is yeah. a, with the launch edition in the U.S., it's a $55,000, $56,000 car. Of course it is. Now, the BMW is going to be even more than that because it has heads-up display, driving assistance, active driving assistant with active blind spot detection, on and on and on. It's active, the more active, 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 yeah. luxurious car. Mm. But I say I'm thrilled that this car is here. Agreed. The differentiator is... I don't think BMW is going to make the M Coupe or the Z4 Coupe. True. I think that, that there's, there's probably an agreement. Got the Supra. I there's bet probably you there an is. agreement about it. We won't make a convertible. You won't right. make a coupe. I bet you that is on paper somewhere. And that could be the differentiator in be. driving dynamics because the coupe being stiffer inherently. Yeah, of course. And because of the styling, we don't know what components have had to be shifted around. Is it just mm. sheet metal hanging on the chassis? Well, is it just, you know, or, sure. on the unibody itself? Are all itself? the internals the same? Yeah, I take your point. We don't take know point. that yeah. yet. They might have had to shift things or make a few different parts. So mm-hmm. they're very close. They're very close. But yeah. we don't know what exactly has changed. And then the dynamics of the Super over here with the possibility, I'm still maintaining a manual transmission hope over here for this car. I, I, I it's, think that's not going to happen. It's a 20% like hope, like but I'm going to just 
stay I'm going to be the cynic because that's my role, and um, I'm going to say no. But, I'm just going to hope. Yeah, uh-huh. But just styling alone, they have to differentiate themselves. And just by doing it shows enthusiasm and still, as you said, testing the waters. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will. Future cars will just be Toyota. But they're jumping back mm-hmm. in the game regardless of Corollas and Camrys and Priya everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're doing it. And in this business climate, in this business world that we're in, yeah, yeah. I say bravo for mm-hmm. just doing it. In a company that has committed to true vanilla for appliance everyone cars. worldwide, appliance cars, yeah, yeah, and they're done actually that well. doing it. Bravo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, thank you, Toyota. Yeah, in a climate where GM and Ford are canceling cars as fast as they can, mm-hmm. Toyota not only continues to make cars, but goes let's go, let's add a sports car to the mix. I, that is that is cool, and it's a storied name. Yeah, I think it's going to struggle in the current climate. Because there's a lot of really good competition for that kind of money. Sure, there is. There is. But I mean, the we're time, excited to recommend them used, of course. But. At the same time, though, I am fascinated and cannot wait to drive it. And I would actually like – look, everybody's going to do the uh, the Super and the Z4. They're going to drive both of those head-to-head, of course. I would are. really like to drive this in the 86. That'd be interesting. I'd be really fascinated. I'd like to drive this in the prior A80 generation. Yeah, true, true, true. I'd like to have feel both totally. of those cars back to back. Totally. But I think this with its stable mate, the 86 chassis, the actual 86 mm-hmm. FRS, BRZ, whatever you want to call it, because of these places where – let me put it another way. They're overlapping more than I expected them to. Mm-hmm. And I expected mm-hmm. to look. Now, look, we talk about it all the time. You can't drive the spec sheet. I stand by that. But I expected to read the stats today – and to just see that the Supra was winning across the board over its little brother. And I don't see that on paper. So it makes okay, me go, okay. okay, let's drive them. Especially now, Now, look, we're not getting the, the anemic engine in the U.S. No. So it's not going to happen. Fortunately, I actually think there's a chance with that anemic engine and 500 horsepower, uh, pardon me, 500 pound weight uh, limit. Or uh, what am I trying to just say? Differential, detriment. I guess. The detriment of yeah. weight of 500 pounds more in the Supra. I actually think that if we had that low horsepower one, the 86 might feel better. But we aren't. That's an interesting comparison, actually. Yes, I agree. Both of those cars. I agree. I think the Supra would might 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 lose that Comparo, but we're never going to see that car. Anyway, no. which I'm glad about. But this is nearly— You're saying we have to go to Japan to do this? Well, sure, why not? Let's do that while, okay. we're, while we're bored. All right. But this is, car is nearly twice as expensive as the 86. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it needs to look. I'm not saying it needs to be twice the car. It's not aimed to be twice the car. It's not what its purpose in the market. But there's some interesting places where they overlap each other, and I would love to get into both together. We don't know the numbers from a manufacturing and collaboration point of view to make this possible. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm still thrilled that BMW is open and mm-hmm. that they're both doing this. Because is it truly a BMW if it's not built in Munich? Hmm. Is it truly a Toyota if it's not built in Japan and it's built Fair. in Austria? Fair. So let's – I mean, I'm very curious of the differences of those two cars. Mm. I want to do a quick design discussion. Please. We can revisit this more. We've got more cars to talk about, so we need to move on. But very quickly <laughs> – One hour on the Supra. Oh, it's man. all just riffing. Yeah. So the shapes, the language – I think it's very aggressive and yeah. muscular in a sense. This term is overused, of course. Yeah. yeah. But it's sheet metal draped over uh, forms that suggest power and sports okay. car, okay. great driving, which I like from Toyota. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Compared to the prior generation Super in the 90s yeah. that peaked at the first generation Audi TT, think about that car. That was 
a solid shape, a mm, block. Mm-hmm, Imagine mm-hmm. it in clay or just in white. The sure. windows are white. Everything's white. Sure, body sure. in white. Yeah. It's just shape. It's mm-hmm. almost almost a single shape mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the shut lines and the headlights and the taillights. Imagine you took a butter knife and you drew the shut lines on the car to differentiate the graphic breakup of the different parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every panel on the Supra, the new one, mm-hmm. is a sculpture unto itself. That's a good point. Each panel, the the taillights mm-hmm. have a little ducktail like the ducktail spoiler itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every part of that car is an individual piece and you think that might be a disaster but here i think they've related the shapes mm-hmm. the fender everything is different they've got little shut lines and air outlets mm-hmm. on the front three quarters yep 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 i'm fascinated i'd like to know and i'd like to think that those are functional but every shape every fender every bulge everything You're is right. an individual mm-hmm. piece and the shut lines are very much secondary, and they have to be very careful with those shut lines so it doesn't destroy and make the you know make another weird shape weird. out of this fender. Yeah, yeah. But I say they're successful in doing so, and they've mm-hmm. made this very very muscular sports car. I think it's going to age well. It's going to give every tuning company an opportunity to put a different fascia on the front and rear and make yes. it even wilder and crazier. Yes. But this car is going to be around a long time. It's going to be raced, drifted. Mm-hmm enjoyed enthusiast when it comes out as a used car it's going to be phenomenal i'm excited for this car i'm excited to see it for real versus just in photos in photos i think the extreme part of the nose looks pinched it looks like somebody was going for an f1 inspired nose cone and it looks weird on a passenger car because it suddenly has this weird pinch nose piece right at the very tip and only in front view do I feel like that bothers me. I like it in profile. The 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 very aggressive hip shape that comes mm-hmm. up over the rear, rear, that shape is actually in the 86 chassis, but at about uh, a 2. Right, right. And here it's at about a 12. Sure. It's, I that, can see same, that. it's that same shape that comes off the, the lower rocker and goes up. That shape is in the 86, but just like a, like a whisper of it. And here it's like, I'm yeah. shouting at you. And it's very cool. They've they've related things. Speaking of shapes, the headlights on this new Supra, mm-hmm. very much that shape relates to the A80 generation yeah, Supra. Yeah, it does. It does. You can definitely see that. I think they're a little bit large for the front end. I think if they were toned mm. back a little bit as far as scale, they would look better proportionally. Mm. I'm just, I'm thrilled. and Can't wait to drive it. The coupe, I think, will... I hope will drive better than the BMW. I think the BMW Z4 will be great. Yeah. And then this will ratchet things up and you can feel a tighter, more hunkered down sports car so. feel. You and I have already talked about two or three different ideas for how we'd like to shoot this car. Let's hope we can get into one for season five. That's right. We're already talking about season five. Unbelievable. Season four isn't even edited yet, but we're talking about season five. We're hoping Entirely to shot on part. satellites. Exactly. Exactly. It's just going to be all these <laughs> really high overhead shots. We think the car was moving quickly. Exactly. We just can't tell. Can't really tell. All right. Moving on to the other huge news. And that yes. is the 2020 Ford Mustang Shelby GT500. More than 700 horsepower. Oh. A very different front end, which I do think is successful in this car. I agree. I think it looks great. It actually has rolled down from the edge of the headlight, rolled down into the front splitter shape, and then back up. It's given a very different look to the Mustang. Agreed. I really I'm like thrilled. it. I really like this car. The, the, the front end of it looks great. I, I have to ask this question. Okay. Look, I want to drive this car. But the GT350 or the 350R... It's in probably my it is firmly in my top 10 favorite cars being sold Absolutely. right Absolutely. Can this GT GT500 really be better? I mean, cra- crazier, well, sure. Better? 
I don't know, because back to the world of the ZR1 Corvette or the Hellcat or the whatever, mm-hmm. when you're in a world of already over 400 horsepower, it's mostly unusable. Now you have you've to just define given me better. More. You have to redefine better. Now what is just, better to you? You've just given me more. And I also think that that engine, now we've seen some of the footage of the GT500, and it does sound interesting, but the GT350 is one of the best engine sounds on the planet. Now they've supercharged it. That's going to change that, that engine a little bit. It's interesting. It's going to change it a little bit. It's going to change the sound a little bit. That, that's one of the best-sounding engines out there. It's one of the best naturally aspirated engines to interact with. The uh, Clearly, clearly, the GT500 has to be more, mm-hmm. but is it mm-hmm. going to be better? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that it, it – anyway. Yeah, but you know the 2019 ZR1 is the equivalent of GM leaving a flaming bag of poo on Ford's doorstep, ringing yes. the bell, and yes. running away. You're right. <laughs> You're right. There's and an Ford's image. pretty upset. Wait, wait, hang on. Picture Mary Barra <laughs> doing that real quick. Just just, just put exactly. that in your mind. Mary Barra, like, <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning goes, ding dong, and runs. She she runs for a Chevy Bolt and drives away because it's totally. silent, so she can get away. It's going to be perfect. She can roll up. Yeah. That's what GM has done. <laughs> Ford didn't have anything in the GT350 to be able to compete. Yeah, the GT okay. is too expensive and too True. far. It'll crush the ZR1. Well, not crush it, but you know what I mean. But in, that's in who a it's lot competing of areas, against it's as far competing as, in that yeah, arena. Okay, right. But then the ZR1 comes back with a lower price than the GT and yeah. on and on and on. So they didn't have anything like this, and they needed to throw down, and they have mm-hmm. carbon fiber wheels with the carbon track pack. Yeah. And, oh, my god. Our gosh. friend Billy Johnson was, of course, a development driver for the GT350, right, and he's right. also a development driver for the Billy, GT500. Billy, hey there. How are you, man? Absolutely. He's been, uh, he's been sending out commentary on social media today just talking about that they've done it right, and it's awesome, and I trust Billy a lot on that. But I do have to ask the question of GT3. What, would you, here, let me put it another way. <laughs> Is the GT500 going to be worth going, yeah, but I don't want the 350. I want the 500 instead. Is it going to be that much better? I don't, that's a, that's, I'm leaving I the door hope, open. I hope I'm so. I hope so, but that's going to be difficult. If Billy's involved, then you know he would have say. You know he would throw down. Yeah. I mean, he's he's going to make sure the dynamics are dialed in but as best he can. But uh, More downforce, more anyway. aerodynamics, 50% more cooling than the GT350 because more. Yeah, because it's exactly the ZR1 thinking, for sure. While we're talking about other things that are just more <laughs> at the uh, Detroit Auto Show, the Subaru STI is... Uh, soldiering along with that same engine it's had since dinosaurs roamed the earth. I really like this car. Yeah, but... it's It's been around for way too long, and they've added more power. 341 horsepower. More boost. They yeah, just gave it more boost. Yeah, but it's... Okay, let me put it in perspective. I like this car. It's going to be $60,000 by the time yeah. you really get one. By that point, you're buying a bottom-of-the-barrel Cayman or the new Supra. Yeah... Well, when you I, put it like that, that doesn't sound as attractive. But yeah. I like this thing. I, 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 they're they're limited to run, limited run cars. Of course they are. Which means the they will all sell out. And for super enthusiasts, but let's, they will love let's them. do something new, folks. Come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> okay, and then the uh, Hyundai Elantra GTN, which has repre- replaced the GT Sport. The only problem with it is they haven't given it more power. Still two hundred and one horsepower, but they've given it everything else: different stability bars. Retune shocks, stiffer springs, 
recalibrated steering on and on. I love that the N is starting to filter its way into the U.S. market, but more power has to go with the N designation. Hopefully. Just like Mazda Speed did. Hopefully. Yeah. You screwed Hopefully. a turbo to everything, yeah. and we're yeah, yeah. good. Well, I mean, this is this is stuff they learned from the i30N, which we have found out that our friends at RSR over in Germany, yes. they have added a bunch of i30Ns to their yes. fleet. So, boy, are we even more excited about pilgrimage coming up later this year. More uh, news on that actually coming. But the stuff they learned from that now applied to the Elantra GT, which you and I drove in Los Angeles for mm-hmm. season, uh, season what, two, three? <laughs> I don't know. They're, 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 it's all a blur. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I believe the season. Two. But anyway, the point is, it was the it was the Civic, the Mazda three, and that uh, Elantra, and we drove them in Los Angeles, and we actually really liked the Elantra. This is the Elantra going more sporty, which is pretty cool. So, uh, all right, I like that they're bringing stuff from the i thirty in over, but let's just bring the i thirty in over. I'm just saying it. We're taking a quick break, and then we're coming right back. The big game, that's the Super Bowl, is just around the corner and the teams are all set. So check out the Rich Eisen Show on Podcast One Sportsnet as the legendary sportscaster analyzes the plays and predicts what will happen on February 3rd. Download the Rich Eisen Show every weekday on Podcast One Sportsnet or wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, rate that show and this one. We have a debate from Kyle B. He is in Chicago, I believe, and he is looking for a modern BMW E39 540i mm-hmm. with an M Sport package. But so, he's looking one yeah. with modern features, like it's adaptive that, cruise control. It's that 5 Series that everybody loves. Yeah. It's the, it's the M5 generation that everybody loves. But he wants the modern version. But, of course, I will say this to you, Kyle. Have you thought about this? The, uh, the 5 Series of that generation is now the 3 Series. <laughs> As far as size, size is concerned, yeah. everything has gotten bigger. But anyway, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. All right. So his current garage it consists of his wife's 2012 Kia Sorento SX. Mm-hmm. That's going away. Mm-hmm. That's what we're replacing, which is pretty cool. Very cool. Now, he's also got a 997.1 Carrera S. Not Lovely bad. choice. Yeah. 99 Suburban, which is the tow vehicle for the 1987 GTI race car. Interesting. He's okay. got the fun cars covered. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but he, he does. needs a great commuter. He needs something that is an amalgamation, as he says, mm. of our current garage. Handsome styling, in and out. Mm-hmm. I need a living room on wheels, kind of like the Suburban. <laughs> sure. But I need a smooth V6 or V8 and good driving dynamics. And then most of all is reliability. That mm-hmm. kept sticking out in my mind here. For sure, for sure. But he does go on to say that although I'm into BMWs, BMWs, Audis, and Volkswagens, I want to stay away from them because of reliability. But yet he's looking for a 540i equivalent. Yeah, interesting. There's, there's a little bit of irony there. There is. I also think it's fascinating. This is going to be primarily his wife's car, but then he's going to drive it when he has long commute days, which is every now and then. Uh, but we are replacing, this is what I find really fascinating here, and, and good on you, by the way, Kyle. We're replacing a 2012 three-row SUV, but we're not shopping for a three-row SUV. Mm. He actually wants to move on to either sporty SUVs, possibly. He's looked at things like the Macan S, so we're talking about a significantly smaller SUV if we even stay in SUVs. Or, uh, you know, again, we're chasing that 5 Series BMW, so a true sedan. He doesn't want a wagon, in spite of the fact that you're writing to automotive journalists. And we're supposed to only recommend wagons, especially brown wagons, for some unknown reason. Uh, <laughs> brown but Mercedes you, wagons. There you go. But we, we are not doing a wagon. We're, doing, we're sedan shopping, 
And, uh, okay, I like what you're already looking at. Of course I do, because you've said you're, you're curious about the Macan S. You just saw Chevy SS, and you liked it. I was dr- reading you down here. You got, you got around 50 grand to spend, and I thought, where's the Chevy SS? And then you went, I'm also looking at the Panamera <laughs> S and the Chevy SS. And I went, we're good. We're good. I want to talk about the ones you brought up, but I also have a couple others, including some wild cards. Oh, good. The budget here is 50K, 50K-ish, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. And I like how people are adding ish now because yeah. they know I'm going to tweak and hammer on those numbers. <laughs> if you come to me with a specific number, it's going to be hard. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, well, not necessarily. Ish, you're, we're good. You're, you're, you're like mentally walking around people's garages going, you could sell that and you could sell that. Why don't we get rid of that? Yeah. Ish is worth 10 grand right off the bat, right? Just, just ish. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah. We're just, it's play 50, money, right? 50,000 ish, yeah. somewhere in there. All right. Now, I love the Panamera idea. Mm-hmm. Love that. I mean, you're already a Porsche enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. Great choice. I was thinking about the Stinger, and you said you're not sold on it. And then, then I was thinking about the Genesis G70, and I thought, interesting, they're not quite used enough to satisfy your requirements, but they're also not 50K. Yeah, that you'd be so, able to just buy one, yeah. You know, there's you know the benefits of a new car, warranty, mm-hmm. all that kind of yep. thing. And then I went hunting, okay. and I came across... A CPO 2015 Audi S7 Prestige for $48,000. Okay. Tempting. They doesn't really want the Audi, but tempting. He doesn't really want the Audi. And so then I went to the 2017 Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio. Ooh. 16,000 miles for 52.9. Oh, I want that car. They're now 50 grand, everyone. Quadrifolios are 50 grand. I'm going to stop you right there. How crazy because is this? Because I have two cars on my wild card <laughs> list, and that Julia Quadrifolio is one of them. And the reason it's a wild card is because he's worried about reliability. Yes. That's why I'm putting on a wild yes. card for you, Kyle. Because honestly, if you want a roomy, modern, fun-to-drive sedan that you can also just get in and just commute in, I think the Quadrifolio is really close to the top of this list. You and I have it's, driven it in multiple occasions. Yeah. We had it for a couple of days for our shoot with the with the M3, and we had it on a track day where everybody was hammering it. And the only reason they would pull it off track was because the tires were getting too hot. In both <laughs> right, of those situations, right. it just ran. It never even yeah. hiccuped. It never did anything weird. It never even breathed wrong. Yeah. But, yeah, we've had other people that have driven that car, and it doesn't do anything but be an oddball the entire time. It, it's an alpha. So it, what? It so what is it really going to be? Right. That's why I've got it in wildcard territory because I think you're gonna you would truly love it, but is it going to be reliable or is it going to be oh, the Alpha again? I don't know. I, I don't hope know. Not. I, I hope agree. Not, I agree. But they're fifty grand. Yes, we've and waited for that eighty thousand dollars price chop. Thirty grand off, and here they are, everyone. Yep. That's at Momentum BMW in Houston, Texas. By the way, if you want to go look for that one, like it. So putting all that aside, I landed for you. Kyle, on a certified pre-owned 2015 Lexus RCF Coupe for forty nine nine with hmm. 7,000 miles. Hmm, okay. This has been around enough to get the depreciation. It's still very new. 7,000 isn't even broken in yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's the RCF Coupe. I've I gone like away it. from sedans. You have. It's you have. very different, but mm-hmm. I think you would gravitate towards this car. I think you mm-hmm. would love this car. I think you would enjoy it, too. We, we're not thinking, you know, M3. The M3 exists. Yeah. But you're worried about BMWs. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go with the Lexus. And 7,000 miles for 49.9. I bet you they'll take 49 flat. Yeah, Done. they would. They would. You, you and I went like similar places, but we didn't go the same places. I'm, I'm looking at this RCF. Okay. It's 
gorgeous. There's a lot of RCFs, as a matter of fact, in yeah. all yeah, yeah. the the rainbow of fruit flavors. True, I, I, and they're I wonder, gorgeous, and they're now inexpensive, relatively speaking, yeah. to since, what you're looking at. Since Kyle. replacing the Sorrento, I wonder if that's big enough. I'm not sure how big Kyle needs this car to be because, again, the five series we haven't been told from the '90s is not that big a car it's by not modern actually. standards. It's that's not. what's funny. I mean, it's the size of the three series. In fact, I suspect the Quadrifoglio is larger. Honestly. Oh, it is. I'd have to pull it. And the side RCF, the answer is no. It's not going to be larger. No. It's not going to do more. But it might be the car you But it might love. get it done. I, okay. I, I want to come back around to my other wild card, which okay. I, I, I gravitated or, or fluctuated between is it a wild card or is it a sniper shot? It's one of those cars where it's not on your radar, I don't think, but it might be perfect because this hmm. is going to be predominantly your wife's car, but you want it to be decent to drive and these kind of things, good engine, that kind of stuff. I want to get there. But real quick, you brought up the Macan S. I don't think that's big enough. Why aren't you looking at Cayennes? Easy for 50K. Of course. Easy. You can have your pick. So I actually think you should shop Cayenne instead of Macan. I like the Panamera. Uh, be careful buying the $50,000 Panamera. What are you getting? Just shop smart. But you've had Porsche experience. <laughs> be careful buying $50,000 Quadrifoglio. <laughs> yeah, true. No, true. <laughs> kind of the same thing, Absolutely right? true. Uh, so, there, so think about that. The Genesis G70 I really like for you, except I wonder, and I don't know how much backseat room you have. The backseat on that car is not big enough for guys as big as Paul and Chance and I. Mm-hmm. It's not quite mm-hmm. big enough. Sure. But if, you're, if you've got kids up to you know, teenagers, it'll be fine. So it's yeah. uh, who goes in the back of the car. That's why I think the, the, I really like it. Of course I love the Chevy SS for you. I thought you were going to say your, Pontiac G8. Your wife's not necessary. <laughs> Get got two his, of them. He's got fifty price. grand to spend. His, his wife's going to drive it. This is probably going to be an automatic. It's going to be a car that's going to be easy to drive. But yet there's space in there. You could get uh, a, a recent model automatic with a magnetic ride control. It'd be a perfectly good, reliable, fun sedan. That your wife can just drive. Nobody needs to be precious. You would. Your gas bills are going to go up. And then they you are. can drive it and hoon it and have a blast. Tire budget. I, I think the Chevy SS is really good contender here and maybe the answer. However, I'm going to go wild card on you because you talked about reliability. You talked about nice interior. Mm-hmm. You want mm-hmm. just it, it needs to run, but you want a really good engine. Here's one we don't talk about, but I think might be perfect for you, Kyle. Lexus. I didn't go RC. I went GSF. Oh, you went bigger. Interesting. GSF. We're replacing that Sorento. I've given you a lot of room. That GS is a very oh, roomy it's, car. It's a large car. It's a big car. Yeah. It's like a 4,200-pound car. It's a big car. Sure, okay? sure. But it is, if you will, that's Lexus doing the M5. Okay, okay. It's not. Look, it's not as dynamic as the M5. It's not as dynamic no. as the Alpha Quadrifoglio. Those are more fun to drive. It's not as dynamic as the SS or the Panamera. All of those are going to be probably flat out more fun to drive, but it's not like the GS is this... Well, this is boring to drive, and everything else was fun. The GSF has a great V8 in it with like 470 horsepower. Yeah, true. It's got really a lot of good engine. Okay, okay. Solid dynamics. Not laugh out loud dynamics, but solid dynamics. It is not a sloppy to drive car. We've driven it. We've driven it hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think this is on one on one hand it's my wild card. On another hand, it's like that might be a sniper it's shot. The reliable 540 because kind it of? is your reliable modern sedan. Lexus GSF with the big V8 might get it done. It almost has double the horsepower of that 540i. It had 282 horsepower. This <laughs> almost. Has, almost has double that kind of almost. power. But well I just screwed together, well built. It's That's just not gonna bad, run. I, I, so Kyle, That's not bad. It's it, big. If, if you had to look at the two things bad. I most want you to drive, they couldn't be more different. We've got the Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio on one hand and the Lexus GSF on the other. But they're for, oh, 50 grand. Just wait till they're 40 grand. 
Yeah. Now that's tempting. Yeah, well, I, it's tempting Gosh. already, so they can't afford 50 Whoa. grand. But yeah, Kyle, hopefully we helped you in there somewhere. <laughs> you may drive you either an Alpha or a Lexus. These are not the same, by the way, but that'll be interesting. We have some social media questions we should get to. Uh, there are quite a few, as always. Real quickly, I should start here. It's going to lead to a rant. Uh-oh. Ted the Theologian, how do we feel about the 9-11 Targa? Oh. Oh. There's a rant coming. I'm sorry. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Generally speaking, how uh, do we feel? What are your opinions on the 9-11 Targa? That's what he's saying. Okay. Now, Ted, I'm going to – my follow-up here is going to be from when? Because the original Targa is a classic generation? look for the 9-11. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've never really liked it, but it's a classic look for the 9-11. Yeah. Then you get yeah. up to the 997, okay? So the mm-hmm. 2005 to 2012 9-11, that Targa I actually really love because it's got the, the 4S wider body shape. And it has this really cool all-glass roof that folds back or works right. like a hatch. That Targa, right, right. honestly, is one of my personal favorites. Hmm, interesting. Then they did what I will only refer to as the old man's nostalgia tour, and they made the new one. <laughs> I don't care how cool the little foldy little flaps it's are. It's cool and foldy. I, I don't care. It's it's. They looked at the old one, and they went, there's people that want to have that old look, and they made a new version of that just for the guys that will open up their checkbook for nostalgia, and I don't like it. The one prior, the 997, is a completely different idea for the 911 and very cool. The current one's a nostalgia tour, so I don't like it. Funny enough, I actually agree with you because the 997 is not compromised from a structural integrity point of view. It's it's just a glass panel. It's like a gigantic sunroof is what it yeah. acts like. Yeah, it's yeah, for sure. a panel that slides down underneath mm-hmm. yeah. the rear glass. Mm-hmm. So, okay, it's just kind of like a giant sunroof. Actually, the styling's a little bit different. That rear window is not a curve. It actually comes to a sharp point, Yep. yep. which actually makes the car look different. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, you can actually see that entire headline, the, the A pillar all the way to the C pillar. Mm-hmm. It's now just one really quite beautiful arc. Mm, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it actually looks different, and you're right. It does have the nice flared bodywork. The new one I'm endlessly impressed with, but it adds a lot of complexity and a lot of weight to the car. Mm. And I think, why don't you just get a convertible or get that's the one I'm with at. the sunroof? That's what. I, at, at why that do point, we need just all this complexity? Yeah, it's cool. That's a huge piece of glass. Yeah, it's huge and expensive and very complex and cool. And the magnesium roof panels and blah. Mm-hmm. But get a convertible if you're going to have the top down. <laughs> because when do you just do the Targa thing? At, at what time of day? Is it just 5 p.m. to 8.30 p.m.? Is that just... <laughs> Who knows? It's on a timer? Who knows? I'm sure I'll get hate mail for, for calling it the nostalgia tour. But I, I do. I, it's kind of funny. It is, the, it is the convertible. Just get a convertible and move on. It's a little funny. All right. Hal B. asked us the biggest surprise of the Detroit Auto Show so far. And we've covered that a little bit. I'm coming to the Nissan IMS. Oh, okay. This might be a surprise, and surprise um, can be both good and bad. It can. It's like the word interesting. The IMS is an elevated sports sedan. This is exactly what the world needed. Billing this as Mm -hmm. it's as if they're making crossovers, squishing them and hammering them down into a sedan shape again. Yeah. But the surprising part is not the size that it's just a gigantic car. It is the design language hmm. that is Nissan bringing something actually interesting and unique and 
something kind of cool looking back to the table. Okay. And I hope that all they right. explore this for all future models. Mm, okay. So it's not the size. It's a huge, oversized, bloated car is what it sure, looks like to my sure. eye. But it's got some cool shapes on it. I see where you're but going. The shapes, I see where you're going. It's panel over panel. Yeah. And it's yeah. clean body shapes punctuated mm. by very sharp stylistic elements. It's not overdone. It's restrained. They've actually restrained themselves, which I'm glad to see. <laughs> And I'm kind of liking the language moving forward here for whatever cars they do. Apply that mm. to, you know, all their various models and restrain yourself and bring some beautiful form back to the table. Okay. Nissan could be back because the current styling I can't stand. I haven't yeah. I haven't liked it for years. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. They're just lost in this wasteland of shapes. <laughs> what other car companies do we know? Well, they've got, done, they've got little that? like fingers and stuff in a lot Just of their design. Just fussy, like, like, weird, weird, weird little points That's and not necessary. That yeah. Stop with the thing. Make a clean, beautiful statement. Mm. Come mm. out with originality okay. that is very right. Nissan. That's the surprise. Okay. All right. I like that. That's a very good one. Uh, let's see here from uh, Devin V on IG. What is cheaper, buying the base model and modifying it to be sportier, or just going ahead and buying the sportier model. <laughs> Cheaper is the question here. A supercharged 86 or a new Toyota Supra? That's a great question. But that's, that's not the, the but question. it's not the same model though. It's that's not, the, but his, that's kind of what his, it is. His example is actually the Ford Focus. Do you buy a titanium model and try to turn it into as powerful as the RS? Now, obviously, the RS is also all-wheel drive. Here, right, here's, right. Here's the problem. And it has drift mode. I mean, they're it does. right there. Key, and you, get, and you get the drift stick, and then, you know, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> the hoon handle. Exactly. And then Come at on. some point, Kevin, Ken Block uh, cashes a check. So all of the, uh, exactly. the, world, the world just keeps moving. It's exactly. all just powering itself. It's awesome. No, Devin, here's the thing. With this, one of the big things about tuning out a class we end up talking about, I talk about this multiple times, and that is you become your own R&D department. If you want the sportier model, and I and I have debated sometimes recently on podcasts that the sportier model isn't necessarily the more fun model, separate conversation. Mm, you can have okay. just as much fun in the lower model a lot of times. But if you're wanting the tech and the performance of the upper model, you need to buy the upper model because yeah. not yeah. only are is it difficult to actually build all the prices and make it the bigger model you're doing it yourself versus the company just putting it all together properly with a warranty and proper r&d so it really runs and really works and doesn't blow itself up and all this kind of other stuff that's what they've done with hundreds of man hours and hundreds of people and you're in your garage trying to get there i think if you're talking about a specific model and you want the sporty options buy the sporty options from the company hmm excellent all right Good question from the only Matt Wong 83. Which manufacturer makes the best shade of red Ooh. for their sports car? Ooh. And you might expect Ooh. me to say Guards Red. I kind of would expect you to say that. I'm not going, going to say that right okay. now. I'm saying Mazda. Sophisticated, curated, mm. the mm. right tint and tone to their reds. It is really good. Deep and yeah. beautiful. It's almost a wine. It's really cool. I yeah. like what Mazda's doing. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I was going to say Alpha. Alpha's the red on the Alpha good. 4C is a spectacular yeah, color. Yeah, it's a it is. really, really good color. Also it's not very, just red. It's got yeah. some flavor to it. It's got some depth to it. Unlike, look, I hate to say it this way, but unlike the reds on Ferraris. Right. Ferrari right. is it's 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 classic Ferrari red, but it doesn't feel like a color with depth. The Mazda yeah. does and the Alpha 4C does. I'm all about those cars. All right, there's a question also on Instagram from 91 Dean who asks us, "What did he do wrong?" <laughs> 
<laughs> it's great. Following our He's recommendations. He's asked this more than once, and I love yes, it. Yeah. Keep going. We're, we're getting to your question. All right. Following our recommendations, he guided his wife from a string of Ford Fusions into an 06 Mazda RX-8. Mm-hmm. The big problem is she loves driving it so much, she won't let him drive it. <laughs> Even when they're together. He's always wanted her to be a car girl, but now has he gone too far? How do I convince her? How does he convince her to let him have a turn in the driver's seat? Well, but hang on. <laughs> hang on. I don't know that that's necessary. Uh, D- Dean, here's my here's my thought here. Okay. If you've turned her into a car girl, by the way, I don't think you've done anything wrong. I, Not hi, at all. Bravo, hi, by the hi, way. Hi, wife, by the way. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on your RX-8. I'm thrilled she likes it. Here's my question. Now you have, this is the conversation my wife had, and she wound up with a Cayenne. Now you have the conversation where you're like, honey, you have a car you love to drive. What do you drive, Dean? Do you love to drive your car? We're not sure. Because you haven't mentioned that. It sounds Mm -hmm. like you're hoping for driving fun out of her car. What do you drive? This is a perfect opportunity to go, you love driving your RX-8, and I think that's awesome, and congratulations, honey. It's great. I would like to get a fill-in-the-blank. Because I want to love my car as much as you love yours. You haven't mentioned that, Dean. I think what you've created for yourself, believe it or not, you haven't gone too far. You've created yourself an opportunity. Good. Like this. I'm going to take that a little bit farther and say, how about asking her for the driving research that she has discovered to go looking for what's next for you and Mm -hmm. take the things that she loves, help her identify that and verbalize them. So that she can now articulate that when you and she go shopping. And then maybe mm-hmm. she'll say, well, to see what I mean, you need to drive my car. You need to look for these things and you need to feel it and drive my car so we can go look for that for you. Those things might not matter to you, though. Maybe. So you need to go looking for those. Or you could do what you know Los Angelinos do and they go to Palm Springs for two hours and go to dinner. I'm not saying you know get your wife drunk so you can drive her home, but you know maybe that might be an option if you go on a little road trip. <laughs> Tonight I'm the designated driver. <laughs> ha ha, gotcha. Yeah. I have to drive your that car. That is funny Give me the terrible. Keys. Yeah. Who said that? I, I didn't say that out loud, did I? That's funny. Well, also along the lines of this RX-8, uh, here's here's my other thought: is why won't she let you drive it? Just because she's having so much fun, or is she already being too precious? That's a problem. Oh, good you need point. To head off at the pass. Good point. Because. You need to be able to drive it, but uh, why won't she let you drive it? And I also think about this. I also wonder if in this situation with Dean, that's the only really fun car in the stable. Mm. If you, mm. Dean, had – I'm just going to throw it out there. I'll stay in the same, same world. If you had a Miata that was really fun to drive and she discovers that the Miata is fun to drive too, now you get to drive both cars. Because someday she's going to drive the Miata. Benefit. I wonder if this is the only fun car in the stable. And so she's like, well, I'm having fun now. I'm not giving that up. Which, bravo to you, Dean, and your wife. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. What other questions do you find on here? Uh, Mike Russo is saying, best way to get on track without a track car. Well, Mike, first off, whatever car you have can be a track car. You say you've got an Accord, 05 Accord, that you don't think could survive a track day. Really? I mean, look, here's Define the thing. Define survive. Here's the thing. There's a really good chance you'll need tires, and you'll probably blow through your brakes. But I also find this. When guys do their first track day, they come away with brakes left. Because most well, people, yeah, they're not. most people, when you get on the track for the first time, you are not using your brakes in a way that's going to blow through them because you're a street breaker. I have this trouble. Every time I'm on a track, I don't brake hard enough. You have to recalibrate your whole head totally. for, for track Totally. Track. So most people yeah. are not aggressive enough yeah. on your first track day to blow through tires and brake, brake pads. But... Most cars, if they run, can handle a track day 
with with blowing through brake pads and tires at the worst. If your car is solid, I was on a track uh, like a year ago, and the guy in front of me was clearly having first track day ever in like a 06 Ultima. Mm. There was much passing of him, but kudos for him being out there. Hmm. I think that the key thing is find places where your local or your closest tracks you can get on and get on for a 20-minute a session. But before that, you can go autocross your car. Good point. Good just point. get that experience. I think that's probably the way in is just to do some local autocross. If you want to go to your local track, I think your car will actually survive it. If it's run and normal and you plan for, I may go through brakes. Okay, just go out there and enjoy it. And then I'll say this. Some tracks... It's going to depend on your track. It's going to depend on your money, and it's going to be a lot of research. Some tracks in the U.S. will rent you a car for a track day. This is typically point. not a cheap experience. <laughs> the good news about say that it, about a lot of things. True, but the good news, this especially good on this show, especially on this show, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But but the the good thing things about a renting a track car. If you can find it, and you're going to have to dig into your local track. If you can find this, the good thing about it, and it works on our pilgrimage trip, is that when you're done, you just walk away. If that car needs tires or whatever, you don't care. You're done. But that's what you're <laughs> paying for. Recycling, you that's what you're away. paying for. So right. that's the, the trade-off. Two-part question from Alex R. on Facebook here. First of all, how effective are electronic LSDs versus mechanical counterparts for both spirited driving and track days? Which does relate to the second part, and he says not all ELSDs are created equal. So how do you differentiate them, such as the ones on the new Super NZ4 versus the 86? Mm. Well, really, it does come down to the price point. So we've talked about price point for both cars. Mechanical is obviously going to be far cheaper, but it really depends on what the engineers and tuners, like Billy Johnson, Mm -hmm. want to get out of the car yeah, what is the yeah, experience yeah. they want you as the driver to extract from the car mm-hmm. we were told from the chief engineer of the nissan gtr that he wanted his grandmother or mother to be able to drive this car yeah almost as yeah. well as any driver who gets in the car mm-hmm. so that is a mindset and that filters down through what what do i want the mechanicals to do for you am i you know is the ethos of the car and the car company you have to go hunting you have to be a pretty good driver Some to degree. extract yeah this performance. Porsche is very much like that. They're easy to drive, but to get to the upper levels, you've got to really show your worth with some skill to extract the most out of that car. I think that the E-diffs are interesting when they push power around proactively. True. I think when all they're doing is trying to... Look, there's a lot lot of gray area in what I'm about to say. Sometimes an electronic diff is just trying to mimic what a mechanical LSD does. Just straight up. And at yeah. that point, sure. I just want a mechanical one. Sure. Just give me that. That's what's sure. on the it's what the, on the 86 chassis. By the way, there isn't one on my Elise, and I've never been like, if only this had an LSD, it'd <laughs> if be fun. only this cornered better. Yeah, exactly. Right. But but there's a mechanical one on the uh, the 86, and it's great. If all the E-diff is trying to do is that, there's a part of me that's just like, just put a mechanical one in and call it a day. Fair enough. However, cars like the Evo, cars like the Julia Quadrifoglio, they have an electric mm-hmm. LSD that actually is pushing power, proactively spinning one side of the axle to help you in cornering. When it does that, now we're at a world where the computers are helping us. Right. And that can be very cool. It, it can be very cool, but it can also distance yourself, distance oh, yeah. you as the driver oh, yeah, yeah. from the driving experience. You, you're a, you're a, you could be a step removed. You may be cackling so much you don't care. <laughs> That's a great point. Thanks again for writing in. And by the way, if you do have a car debate or a Topic Tuesday question, TV at gmail.com or go to the website everydaydriver.com and you can contact us there under the About tab. 
Thanks again. Looking forward to next time. Cheers.